Hello, my name is Andrew Whalen. And I'm Dee Arias. This is Lore of the Week, the podcast where we talk about what's going on in the world and dive into what's popping. This week we're talking all things board games, from ones we like, ones we hate, and what you need to do to throw a good board game night with some friends. Enjoy. How's it going, Dee? It's going pretty well, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm sitting pretty in our new fancy podcast studio. Yeah, we got blankets up by command strips. We got books stacked on top of books to get it pinned with blankets in between us. Yep. I hope it works. (laughs) It it appears to be making no difference whatsoever. But at one point we were using my, uh, I have a dirty bowl of, um, shrimp fried rice on my desk from uh, lunch yesterday that was helping to hold up a blanket just trying to cover the whole room in blankets because we are now working with an editor your good friend james james i i hope you're you're cool with being name checked if not you can remove this but um yeah so we're trying to get this studio quote unquote which is just my office which is just a room in my house um to be as like soundproofed as possible but um jury's still out on how well that's actually working right now yeah you know shout out to james so much love to you i've known you for several years and was so super super psyched when i heard that you wanted to come on and help to like edit the pod and yeah you know i just want to say we're trying you know we went to the home depot today we did we're trying to figure this out so you know we're gonna we're we're gonna it's a process we're gonna improve a little it's a process we gotta get more gear man that's what will make us better podcasters is more gear always yeah Yeah. in in, in, whatever you're doing whatever in your life you're doing if you want to get better at it spend more money on gear there you go boom problem solved it's just like an rpg exactly dude you know we're leveling up yeah upgrade that shit dude upgrade that sword to plus five or whatever you know What, what are we what are we talking about here today d we're talking about board games andrew yeah and when we were talking about potential topics to hit for this episode I pretty much was like, hey, you know, what makes a good board game night? Especially when you're coming through with like all your friends or even new people. Board game nights are always a fun way to get to like extend like your social circle at times. But then what are the actual board games that are really fun to play? Including ones that are personal favorites or just kind of the party favorites that you know that like is going to be a big hit. And then what are the ones that we actually just kind of loathe and it's like, oh, fuck. This person bought this one out and we kind of have to play it now. And it's like, really? Why are we playing this? Yeah. So we're going to get into all sorts of details around that. And we're definitely going to probably branch off into all sorts of wacky topics, I imagine, too. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited for it. So I can kick off. Yeah, please. What I think makes a good board game night is, one, good planning. You definitely need the glue person who's not only going to kind of pick like, hey, we're going to do it like this Friday or this Saturday. But also the person who's going to help to just coordinate like kind of the times to kind of like meet. Timing is really important. You don't want to do a board game night that's going to be too early, but you want to do one that's not too late, but just right around the time where it's like, all right, it's perfect because it can hit the time where people start to get a little sleepy. And for some of those like night owls that like if you want to play a couple games like later into the night, you can kind of just hit the sweet spot where you're going to have at least a good three hours of people there all just hanging out, shooting the shit, and playing some really fun games. Right. And then you want to have a good spread of snacks. Mm. You need to. Mm -hmm. I don't think doing dinner necessarily works. I think that's a lot of, like, planning and effort and energy on people. But you want to have, like, the good cheese spread. 
you definitely want to have like some good like meats out. Now, of course, if you have folks who are vegetarian, vegan, or dietary restrictions, yo, you got to be fucking with some almond cheeses. You know that bitchin' sauce? <laughs> bitchin' sauce? Dude, it's called bitchin' sauce, and it's like this almond uh, vegan alternative dip. It's so good, dude. I do not know bitchin' sauce. I also fuck with vegan food pretty heavily, so like I like put that in my rotation a bit. But anyway, you, you got to put all the different things out there, you know? I actually I actually have thoughts on, on this. Um, first of all, totally agree. I don't think dinner works, and largely because you can't just have like a full-ass plate when you're trying to play board games, board game, depending on the board game, you might need a lot of real estate on the table, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can't just be having like a full plate of like lasagna there with like a fork and a knife, you know, that just doesn't work, which I feel like is another thing you hit on, which it's gotta be finger foods for sure. You don't want to have to be fucking with utensils while you're playing the board games. But I think that introduces a, an interesting conundrum because you mentioned you gotta have that, you gotta have those meats out, which I'm with you totally with you. I love a good meat and cheese plate, but I question, do you want to have these meats out that might be a little, you know, you, you get a little oily on your, on your fingers when you're trying to play your board games. You know, you don't want to get meat oils on your miniatures or your cards or what, what have you, you know, do you think that's a worthy thing to take into consideration? Damn, that is actually a really good point. I mean, I guess I am, the way I would always approach it is like I always have like, you know, like my like napkin and I'm always like sure. working that. But not everybody's as conscious about that. And I'm actually not really thinking about that. Right. It would feel like a weird tone at the top of a board game night to say to people, hey, like y'all like got to like wipe your <laughs> fucking fingers and not get these meat oils on my fucking cards. Oh, my God. <laughs> like that would be a kind of weird. I don't know how you say that nicely without it feeling like, OK, that's kind of a weird rule setter but it also makes a hundred percent sense here's the thing that you don't say it nicely you bring people to your home you're like listen up motherfuckers <laughs> if any one of you grubby little bastards gets your oily fucking fingers on my cards you're out of here you got to lay down the law up front yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to have fucking prosciutto or salami oils on my board game cards or miniatures so that's yeah. what i'm saying dude that's what i'm saying very good point so you need to set boundaries right. boundaries are very important when you're having a good game night yes or forego the meat and cheese for some simple chips and dip chips and dip um pretzels oh i fucking love Ooh, pretzels pretzels, pretzels are always a good one um so yeah just having some really popping snacks and then drinks, of course, of course, from all the seltzers, uh, whether it's hard or regular, want to make sure that you have a combination of both. And then a good selection of like, you know, depending if people are into wine or something like that, maybe you could do that. If not, a couple uh, beers and stuff to kick things off. Some people like fucking with some hard drinks, too. So maybe some cocktails. Uh, Moscow Mules could be cool. That is good. That is, I, I think there's a line there. I mean, not that I'm here to judge anybody and like, whatever, if you're trying to have a good time, you're trying to have a good time. But if you're like, you know slamming gin and tonics on board game night i feel like that's a little weird of a vibe but to your point like a moscow mule there's like a you know you want your classy sipping cocktails you're not going to be taking shots of tequila on board game night that is true i will say i normally wouldn't put this into the mix but one time i had a board game night and started tripping because i took mushrooms with a few other folks during the board game night okay and mid code names game yeah came on and that was not as fun. That actually was like very difficult. Can definitely get into details about that, but just saying, yeah, you probably want to keep it like light and loose, but maybe not go too hard. You're trying to like, you know, 
it's good to be competitive. Right. It's good that's to be, have thing. fun. That's the thing. You need a degree of focus for board game night that certain harder liquors and harder drugs might uh, take away from. I would even say um, in terms of like smoking weed, you're only really going to want to do that if you're playing a game that like folks know how to play already. Like you don't want to like smoke a bunch of weed and then be like, all right, let's now learn how to play the Dune board game, which I own and I don't know how to play yet. Um, but uh, <laughs> the fucking the the board game is as complicated as the books. So it seems cool, but I haven't tried it. Uh, but dude, that fucking code names on mushrooms like that sounds like a fucking trip for anyone who's not familiar. And I, I was probably planning on talking about code names later because I think code names is awesome in a very specific circumstance. And it's the kind of game where you have to guess what someone else on your team is thinking. And it's very important to like not get it wrong and when you're all tripping it's like the distance between your brain and someone else's brain unless you get in one of those weird trip vibes where it's like you're all on the same fucking page but i don't know i've never tried to play code names while tripping especially on mushrooms i can barely hold a conversation on mushrooms let alone concentrate on someone else's thought processes yeah i was very sensitive to everyone's emotions yeah. and the things that they were saying. And um, it started to become very uncomfortable because I was like, oh my God, like there's so much pressure yeah. to like actually try to play this. It like made me feel very sensitive and hyper realized to what an actual board game night was. And I was like, I don't want to do this ever again. No. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. That sounds like a just straight up terrible idea. That's yeah. Not, <laughs> structure is not necessarily what I'm looking for when I'm tripping. I will say it's definitely going to be one of the most memorable game nights for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure. But another component that is very essential to a game night is a popping playlist of tunes. For sure. You have to have something that's going to be uh, just kind of meeting everybody in the middle. Like no matter what everyone's music taste is, it's going to be like, wow, this is actually kind of poppy, kind of vibey, but not too distracting. Right. It's just the perfect background noise where it's just like, yeah this actually kind of hits the perfect tone in the moment. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations there? Um, You know, I kind of bounce around a lot, but I generally like to go with like usually indie rock. Mm -hmm. I think tends to be pretty nice because like a lot of the beats can be pretty cool. You get some really awesome guitar riffs and vocals kind of mixed in. Uh, Some things I've done in the past, I've done like a Mac DeMarco like uh, radio. So like throw in other artists Steve Lacey is also really dope. Um, Beach House, I think, is actually a pretty dope artist to also kind of just like throw in in the background. And uh, Dori Umoy as well. Mm. Um, so those are some of my picks. But uh, would you have any recs? Toro Imoy. Toro Imoy. Toro Imoy. You said it in a... I can't. Toro Y Moy <laughs> is... Uh, that's a fantastic choice. That and like Washed Out, I feel like, is that good like oh, kind of yeah. indie vibe? Uh sound that's a really good idea um i will say um addy's kind of the vibe setter in our house usually for good reason and we play we had a board game night recently and she threw on kind of randomly she threw on smooth jazz radio and it was the kind of thing that like when i realized i was hearing smooth jazz i was like are we are we listening to smooth jazz right now she was like yeah i thought it'd be good and then it was like yeah actually this is good this is working very well because it's not taking away from the the vibe of the board games it's just some like nice pleasant 
background music to kind of like keep things flowing you know smooth jazz sounds really fantastic yeah it worked damn especially with a nice glass of wine yeah which there was some wine in play so that was a solid board board game night for sure but yeah you know i would say the only other thing that i can think of at least when doing a good board game night and i think this will get into like our picks of board games themselves at least a little bit kind of depending on the dynamic but you want to have a game that if there's new people who are showing up that you haven't really had part of your game night dynamic or social group, a game that's easy to get within one or two rounds. Yes. You don't want to pull out like kind of the more complicated games that maybe you play with like more of your inner circle of right. game night folks, but something that it's like can be pretty light and easy for people to kind of get into. So it's not as like intimidating because more often than not, you try to explain rules and I feel like that never really goes over well. You kind of just need to have like a quick one or two practice rounds to get people into the mix. Right. I I think that's huge, right? Because I've definitely been in situations where I have met someone and also like played board games with them in the same night. I'm not sure that it was like necessarily a game night, but it was like, oh, like a went over to a friend's house and met some other friends and we played board games. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. But to your point, there are like types of games that are great environments to get to know other people over and generally those are games that aren't super complicated aren't super rule heavy they have just enough structure to them to kind of like cover up any awkwardness that there might be when meeting someone new where there's like kind of those brief moments of pause where it's like what do i talk about now or like you know do i keep talking to this person what you know just any kind of ambiguity with a good board game is like papered over with you know okay now we move on to the next step of the game right and i think socially speaking that can be very helpful but if you're playing something like even something like code names which again i i, I want to talk about more can be a little bit overly complicated because there's also types of people right like i consider myself the kind of person who likes learning about mechanics of games because i'm a nerd you know Um, And I can get really into that even in a a social environment sometimes. Sometimes I'm not feeling it either. But there are also folks who like you try to explain rules to them and it just bounces out of their head immediately. And like that's not not, I don't don't, no shame on those people like that's just not their brain doesn't click with it as quickly like their 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 brain isn't uh, made out of sharp angles and, and squares and and bullshit like my brain is maybe it's like a little i was about to say a little smoother maybe they have smooth brains i don't i should probably stop going on and on but that's just a type of a type of thing you know what i mean like you're you're not as interested in learning like specific mechanics of games so yeah i think that's a worthy conversation we could have is like what's a good casual game versus a good like more intense game more intense or like super competitive yeah we're competitive in the way where it's like the mechanics are just so rich and deep that it's like, ooh, this actually is more work to even just try to learn it. Right. Like you kind of actually need to dedicate more time to like really getting into it. Right. Because a game like that, like it, it, part of the competitiveness is like who knows the rules better and who's able to better take advantage of the rules. And not everybody's down with that kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to be cut from a different cloth to have that like as more of a casual game night. Right. For sure. Yeah, I mean, those are kind of the the dynamics or the things that I would bring to like a game night. Anything else that you would want to add? I think you pretty much covered it. I do think that there's something to be said about the first thing that you talked about was like you need the planner there. I think to expand on that, now that we are, you know, in our late 20s, early 30s kind of point in life, 
everyone's schedules seem to be super full all the time. I feel like my schedule is always super full, but also at the same time, sometimes I have nothing going on. It's just very random, but I feel like a lot of times if I want to hang out with my friends these days, I have to plan it like weeks in advance. So I think that's just like a key thing is it's hard to have like a, yo, you guys want to have game night tonight? It's got to be more of like a, hey, third Thursday of March or like, yo, like this date a couple weeks in advance, clear your calendar. Let's come over. Let's do a game night. Definitely either planning in advance or as you noted, actually having a set dedicated time, I think definitely does help for people to like actually like commit to it. Right. Especially if it's like once or like once every couple months. Yeah, that'd be tight. For sure. That's pretty much all all I have to add. You know, you want snacks, not a full dinner. You want your alcohol for those who imbibe and uh, no hard drugs probably. And uh, make sure you choose your game. Think about your game. Be conscientious about the game that you pick. Or at least have options. Right. Like plenty of options to like break it down. So that way you can kind of just go to what, like what everyone's feeling. Right. 100%. Cool. So I think that's a good segue into what are your favorite board games? Well, hey, I mean, we already were talking about this one. Uh, Codenames. Yeah. I feel like this game is pretty popular, but definitely within recent time with some game nights were newer folks joined in that they were not as familiar with it. So if this is not a game that you have played, it's definitely a lot of fun. I'll try my best to kind of break it down. But when you play this game, it's essentially broken into two teams with two captains. And you essentially have a grid of words. And with the words, the captains see exactly between the red and the blue team, which words that they actually have to capture and guess when they give a single clue to their actual teams in terms of what names on the board that they actually have to try to hit. So you give like one word and let's say like something's like toy and paw. And the clue you want to give to try to get like a couple of those words is cat two. That means that then the team has to pick two words that would be associated with the code name cat. The problem is, though, is that's just one mind that's thinking about that. Once Mm -hmm. it's opened up to the team, all bets are off and the team starts thinking about, hmm, what else could be associated with this code name that could then apply to all the other words? And before you know it, it starts to get pretty unhinged and people could potentially either pick a gray card, which is just neutral, and then it just uh, goes to the other team. They could actually pick one of the other team's card and the point goes to them or you get the death card and it's an instant loss. The bomb card, yeah. Have you ever played, have you ever seen someone pick the bomb card before? Oh, actually, I don't think I... I might have picked the bomb card like once or twice in the times that I've played. I played a lot of code names, yeah. but definitely have seen the the bomb card picked oh, a wow. few times. I feel like I haven't played. I've played a decent amount. I don't think I've ever seen the bomb card played because I feel like if you're the captain, you got to know front and center. Whatever your clue you give is, make sure it does not relate in any way to the bomb card. Yeah, just to expand on that explanation a little bit it's 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 interesting like d said you kind of have like a five by five grid of like totally random words and the captains if you're not the captain they're all the cards look the same they just have different words on them and the captains have this like key that shows them which cards align to like which team or the bomb so as the captain you're trying to because you're trying to get all of your words your team to pick all their words before the other team picks all their words so you've kind of got this like push pull thing of I want to capture as many cards in one clue because the clue that you give each round is only one word. You give one word and a number and the number aligns with how many um, cards you're trying to like explain in that one word. So there's push pull of like, I want to get as many words as I possibly can, but the more words you try to 
cover with a single clue, the more abstract the clue becomes. And then the more abstract the clue becomes, the more dangerous it is that people are going to align it with another word that's not one of your words and like maybe dangerously is like the bomb or the other team's words and that is where like a lot of the fun of this game and the frustration of this game comes in where it's so weird as the captain because you give your clue and then you're not allowed to like say anything else or really like react at all to what people are saying so you will give your clue like your clue where you said cat too and you're trying to get them to guess toy and paw right but like maybe there's another word on the board that's like tree. And then people are like, oh, cats like to climb trees. They like to climb trees, right? Well, okay, they definitely have paws. So I think we should pick paw. But like, oh, they play with toys. And then you'll like one person on your team will be like, they play with toys. And then someone else on your team might be like, nah, that's dumb, dude. He wouldn't say that. Like it's got to yeah. be tree. Cats climb trees. And you're sitting over there like as the captain dying inside. Just like, no, no, don't do that. No. Uh it's a lot of fun and can be frustrating as well, but um, it's a cool game. I think one of the best parts about the game is that, one, the captains can't talk. Yeah. So it's like, of course, like, there's a lot of tension with that. But between the two teams, there's so much shit talking. Yeah. And it's so fun because of the dynamic. Yeah. And normally you would think like, oh, like, how much can a team actually get under the nerves of another team? But if you're relentless with it, you really can't fuck with them. Oh, yeah. If you really stay on it. So... It's definitely a really like fun and can be a pretty dirty game in that sense. So I do have a couple critiques of code names, not necessarily the game. I think the game is a good game, but like warnings, I guess, because the first time I ever played, I feel like I'm still chasing that dragon because we played, I played in like a ski weekend with like, there was like 12 of us. So it was six people to a team, huge group. And everybody was like so down to clown. They were so in the game, like so competitive. We were like, it was a cab, it was a ski weekend. So we were like drinking and smoking and stuff. So it got pretty like raucous, but um, everybody was still like in it. And that was so much fun. And I feel like every time I played since then, it's hard because the game, if you're not like fully bought into playing the game, it can be slow and it can be easy to get distracted. And if you're the captain and your team isn't like fully paying attention, then it's really frustrating because you're like laying these very thought out like plans for them to follow or tracks for them to follow. And if they're like not fully paying attention, it can be really frustrating. So I've, I've had a couple of less than stellar attempts at playing code names. I think if you can get a decent sized group, which you need like, I feel like minimum six people to play a good game of code names to have at least two teams of three. Um, if you can get a good group to play, it's so much fun, but I feel like it's definitely like choose your vibes carefully kind of game. Yeah, it is definitely designed to be like a casual game, but the more that you put like competitive strategy to it, the better. Yeah. And I think something that definitely helps is what I try to do whenever I'm on a team is actually vocalize. Hey, if we do this, that means in the next turn that we get to pick something, we can always come back to around that like we lost one of the clues. For sure. So that way, hint, hint, you could say whatever word three, even though we know that you probably will mean like two and we can loop in or wrap in. So it's like you can kind of be on the same thinking page and the more you know somebody, the better that you can definitely do that. Totally. Relationships are huge totally. in this game. That's yeah. key. You, you want to break up couples if you can. Not for good during the game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great game. Yeah. To your point, that's like a pro tip. If you are not the captain, say every single thing you're thinking at all times, cause the captain will then have more like 
you know, they get a better idea of how you think, even though you can't necessarily get a better idea of how the captain thinks during the game, the captain can hear you and like use that in their decision-making. Definitely. So yeah, pretty, pretty dope game. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a game that you'd like to share? If not, I can uh, continue on. Oh, I've absolutely got a game. One of my favorites of all time. It's a game called Mysterium. It is kind of similar to code names in that one person is giving clues to the rest of the team and they're not allowed to speak and the team has to guess kind of what they're thinking, but it's different in a couple of ways. So for one thing, it's a cooperative game. So it's not, there's, it's only one team which consists of the clue giver and then all of the, the guessers. It is based on images rather than words. So this game has super cool art. So it's, it's kind of similar to Clue as well. So the gist of the game is that kind of the lore of the game is that all of the players are psychics that have entered into a haunted house to try to solve a mystery of who killed a person. And the clue giver is a ghost and the ghost is attempting to like give them psychic visions. And so each person has their own vision that consists of a kind of like Clue, a person who is the killer, a room where the murder happened and the murder weapon and kind of the lore there is that like each individual psychic has their own vision and then at the end they have to guess like which of the visions was the correct vision but during the round one like the most of the game you as the ghost are pulling cards from this deck of these like wild ass like images of like dream logic random shit like i really highly recommend googling it because it's really hard to even describe it like there'll be a card that's just like a person riding a bicycle in the clouds and there's like a swirling tornado of like dinner plates behind them or there's like pictures that like aren't even like sensical things it'll just be like a lake that's upside down with like a tower and like very very bizarre so as the clue giver you you have like a, a hand of like seven or nine cards of these like weird dream cards and you can see the 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 person that you're trying to get a get a, a player to guess and you just have to you can give them any number of cards in your hand but it's essentially a clue and then everyone's helping each other so it's be like i would give you a card d that would have like some weird poisony green shit in it or something and maybe one of the the um possible guesses is like an evil looking doctor and you're like oh maybe this poison is the doctor because the doctor's card has like a needle in it and it's like maybe he used poison and then you have to guess at the end of the round who you think your person is. And if you're right, then you move on to the next round of picking the location or from location to weapon or whatever. And it's just a crazy game. It's got that similar thing that Codenames has where everyone's kind of arguing with, with each other about like, what does this mean? What does this mean? But it's like a little more weird because it's these like weird dreamy cards that the ghost player didn't even necessarily pick like they, they had a limited number of options and it's just it's a similar kind of thing where it really helps if you have a relationship with somebody already and you're able to kind of like pick out how you think a person would be thinking and it's just it's very fun and i like that it's a cooperative game so no one's like trying to beat anyone else because sometimes there are situations where competitive games can get a little dicey sometimes depending on your crew me and Addie get very competitive with each other we neither one of us likes to lose so that can that can cause issues at times so we like co-op games instead not that we don't like competitive games sometimes these days but that's just a, a fun thing about it i love mysterium i do think it's a lot of fun to play with your friends 
I don't know that I would necessarily say it's a great game to play if you're just meeting someone. Although I, I think that's a, you know, you make your call depending on the person. If the person's like maybe a little bit more artsy, this might be the kind of thing for them because it's so abstract, the images are. If it's the kind of thing where you think this is a person that likes to do like free associations of things. And also you'll people will make some wild connections between things that sometimes are awesome and sometimes it's like, what the fuck? Like, no, that's not it. That's not it. But it's a great game. No, that um I'm just Googling this game because I actually have not heard of it before, but it looks really like the artwork on the cards is beautiful. Yeah. And I think the dynamics on that, like I love cooperative games because there's a different sense of stress in terms of like actually like working with other people. Yeah. So this is definitely one I really want to check out. Uh, how long have you been playing this one? I think we've had it for maybe two years. Two years, yeah. And I played it with like a lot of different people, and it's a it's generally a big hit. People really enjoy it. No, well, hey, I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for it. We should play it, dude. Definitely, I would love to. You know, one of my other picks, and this is kind of building off, especially looking at like some of the beautiful illustrations on the cards, is have you heard of Dixit? I have heard of Dixit. So Dixit's a lot of fun. Um, one of my friends has the game and whenever we have a game night, that's always one of like our big picks. This one is very much like kind of like a storyteller type game whenever it comes around and like your turn and like you have to kind of like put your play in. But essentially it's with this whole deck of cards and they're all beautiful illustrations of just really abstract images and definitely recommend like looking up like some of like the pictures and stuff just to get a sense or like an idea but the way that the game works is you essentially just have like a really simple i think it's like the first one to 30 could be wrong on that but like you start with zero points you pick like a rabbit of your color so there's like a white rabbit blue rabbit green rabbit etc you pick your rabbit and you all start off with zero and as it goes pretty much in turn what happens is when you become the storyteller you pretty much have like a drawn amount of cards that you always have to keep constantly like pulling from anytime you play a card and you have to give a clue about what you want to give that will like quote unquote illustrate the card and other players when they hear that clue will also put down a card to try to knock other players out when they try to guess who's the actual storyteller card yeah but the thing is this is the catch is you don't want your clue to be too obvious because you actually will uh, you won't gain any points if everybody picks your card. Yeah. So you have to kind of like ride that line a little bit and like kind of be pretty creative and strategic on how you like do that. And when everybody kind of reviews the cards, there's pretty much a way that you like actually score it and you rank it on like the actual board itself. And then it gets revealed, which which is the actual real card. And then you can see if someone was actually able to psych other people out and stuff. Yeah. And the, the scoring is pretty complicated, but it has a very clearly detailed on the board and you kind of just move along as you go through it. But it's really fun because you get an idea of to see how like tuned in people are with each other really fun game to play with like someone who's just playing for like the first time and like a good casual game. But I will say people who are really not in tune with the creative side will have a terrible time with this game. Yeah. Uh, it's just really abstract. And the, most of the rules are really just actually in the actual like scoring. Other than that, the only mechanics is you just trying to do like psyching other people out with just like abstract clues as people kind of do that with like beautiful like cards. Yeah. But it can be a lot of fun though. Dude, I think I own this game. 
<laughs> and you don't know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I own this game, and I don't know that I've ever played it because we, what Addy and I will do sometimes is just go to the Wizard's Chest, which shout out to Wizard's Chest in Denver. So oh, Broadway. Amazing areas. shop. Fucking dope. So many board games there and we'll just have whoever works there just kind of like recommend things to us and i think we bought like three games one time like back around christmas and like haven't played half of them and i think dixit is one of them so i gotta bust that out we gotta try that out no dixit is definitely a lot of fun uh and it's pretty quick too like you can easily crush like around another like 30 minutes yeah so oh, yeah. yeah pretty tight check it out do you want to take the next pick I think to kind of change the vibe a little bit into something a little simpler or, or more mechanic-based and less abstract is I was recently introduced to a game called Five Crowns, which is it's kind of similar to Rummy, I think, in a way, but you kind of maybe could play it with a regular deck of cards or two, but really what it is is it comes with two of these decks where there's a fifth suit added, which is the star, and the aces and twos have been removed from the deck. So there's a bunch more cards and you start on round, you start with threes. So it starts with threes and goes up and, and how it works is uh, it's kind of like, you know, everyone's got a deck. So you start off, you've got, everyone's got a hand of three cards and you're trying to make a group of three and you make groups by either matching the number or you can do like a straight, like, you know, three, four, five, five, six, seven, et cetera, et cetera. But with the straights, they have to be the same suit, which there are five suits. So that's a little more challenging. But there's also jokers that are total wild cards. You can change the suit and the number. And also whatever round it is. So if it starts with three, threes are wild and you can change their suit and number as well. And really all you're trying to do is there's a stack of cards in the middle and everyone, you, when it's your turn, you take one card and you put one card down. And when you put a card down, you put it face up. So when it's your turn, you can either grab the face up card, you can grab a face down card. You can risk it for the biscuit, as I like to say. Always risk it for the biscuit, too. <laughs> and um, you're just trying to make a match. And when you've got uh, no cards in your hand that aren't part of a match, you put your cards down. You're like, I I have done it. I've I've got the, I can't remember what, I don't think you're supposed to say anything, but you're just like, I, I did it. <laughs> and then everyone else has one turn to get one more card to try to figure their shit out. Any cards that they have left over that are not part of a match, you add the value of that card to their score. And at the end of the game, which is from rounds, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I'm just going to go all the way, man. I'm already here. 10, Jack, Queen, King. And once you do all of those rounds, whoever has the least number of points wins. And matches always have to be at least three cards, but they can be any number of more cards. And there's two decks that each have five suits. So you can have like six of a kind. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but it can. And it's just, it's one of those games where like it it makes a lot more sense when you play it than me explaining it. And like, you know, I don't know how, how much value people are getting out of us explaining board games uh, verbally in an audio format, but this is definitely the kind of game where it's like, just play one round where everyone leaves their cards up and just explain what's going on. And everybody's going to get it. It's very simple. Like there's like three rules, you know? I have played this game with, uh, some folks that I didn't know before. And it's a really easy game where it's like, it's clear enough what you're supposed to be doing to where it helps kind of uh, sand over the like edges of meeting someone new. And it's still a lot of fun and there's a lot of luck involved too. So it's not like too competitive, you know, you can't really be like super aggro about it. Cause you might just get a shitty hand every now and then. And it just happens, you know, every now and then you're on like round 10 and someone starts their turn with full matches and they put it down it's like well i just got like fucking 100 points so that sucks fun game 
Easy game. Highly recommend. Five crowns is what it's called. You can probably pick it up for 10 bucks. Super cheap. No, that sounds really dope. I mean, I have to be honest. I feel like if I played that game, people would mop the floor with me because I'm just not good with card games. Yeah. I never really grew up much playing them and it just doesn't really click for me. So it's like when people start talking about like the like different like type of cards or hands and stuff, I'm always like overwhelmed by that. Oh, I mean, man, yeah. Once in college, I like played strip poker. I was the first one naked <laughs> easily like that. Like it was just I don't. I don't really have the mind around that. Dude, poker's fucking hard, man. Like, I like card games a lot, but poker is one of those games kind of like where you just have to know more. You have to know the game. You have to know what's possible. It's not just about knowing the mechanics. It's about, like, knowing the options that can happen. And there's, like, a whole social aspect of it where you're trying to, like, you know, bluff people and stuff. I suck ass at poker. I always (laughs) get my money taken when we play Texas Hold'em for money. Um, I don't like it. I mean, I like it because I like cards, but I play a lot of card games and I don't like poker. So, but I, you know, cards no, in general yeah. can be hard to pick up. Yeah. So um, that sounds really dope. <laughs> I don't know if I will play it, but knowing that other people who are really into card games, I'll definitely keep that like as a rack for people whenever like talking about this. So yeah. Yeah. A game that I also really like. This one, it's weird because we nor- normally will actually break down the rules a lot or like just throw a few of them out the window and just kind of like tailor it to what we to how we want to play. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's actually can be a little funner. Totally agree. This is the blockbuster movie game. So themed after Blockbuster, like the video rental store from like the 90s. Okay. And pretty much it just is kind of, it's like Pictionary meets like movie charades and really fun for people who are one into movies or two just into really dynamic like you're gonna get up and actually do a lot of movement and stuff like that so this is like a game where between two teams you pretty much there's like the whole categories in which you have to get two cards or two points in for each category each category is like horror comedy drama thriller all the different like movie genres that you can hit And essentially, each team has the opportunity to try to gain like a couple cards per round. But the thing is, is that you draw these cards and you have to make the decision of which one that you want to act out, which one that you want to say a word from, and which one that you actually want to quote. So I remember one time when I did it, like I acted out Goodfellas. And so I did the scene when like the dude gets fucking whacked from behind when he thought he was going to get made. Iconic scene. (laughs) Haven't seen it. You've never seen Goodfellas? Oh, it's a fantastic movie, Andrew. Oh, so good. Well, I kind of just spoiled a major scene for you. I'm very sorry. I know a dude gets whacked. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think most mobster movies, people are going to get whacked. I should hope so. So uh, I don't don't think that would necessarily be very shocking. Right. But if someone got like the Shrek card, obviously you're going to throw out like Swamp as like a line. And then like... You could do like something else, like a famous line from a movie, like if you like draw that. And then if you actually end up flubbing it, then the other team has the opportunity to like steal it. Uh. So it's just a lot of fun because even if you have people in the mix who are not very like into movies, it's just also really fun to just see them fail miserably at it. Yeah. So it's just great fun, like all around and not necessarily a competitive game, but just want to just like definitely get the laughs rolling and keep something light. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. I think I would like that one uh, as a movie lover, despite the fact that I haven't seen Goodfellas. Don't at me about it, <laughs> listeners. I haven't seen Godfather either or Part Godfather Part 2. I haven't seen a lot of mob movies. I like them. I don't have anything against them. I just like I haven't seen them. Yo, the Godfather, it they're classics, dude. But like, man, they are, they're marathons. 
are you yeah. about to drop a hot take here d or are you about to be like not worth it no i i would say it's worth it i would just say like you kind of have to be in the certain mindset like right. you know if i was over someone's place and they're like hey like let's throw on a movie and someone's like yo let's put on the godfather part two i'd be like oh fuck that <laughs> yeah come on like really yeah like we're gonna be here like for like four hours like nah (laughs) yeah i got places to be dude throw on shrek 2 and let's get the fuck out of here yeah so it's like i don't know i'm kind of good with just watching like the godfather like maybe if i live until i'm like 70 or something i'm good with maybe watching it like one other time and that's it i'm good with that right i don't have to watch it like once a year i'll watch it one of these days i'll figure it out so this is a relatively new game for me. My roommate picked up uh, at a recent visit to the wizard's chest. He got the game seven wonders, uh, which he was attracted to because it had this thing on it. It just had like a little symbol on the front that was like most awarded board game of all time, which I don't know who's given out awards for board games, but, uh, and I gave him a little shit about that, but he got it. And we, we, we've now played it a bunch. That game rocks it's so much fun it's so it's one of those games where you first pull out the you start reading the rules and it's like what the fuck like i don't know what the fuck's going on but once you finally like crock it and like understand everything it is so much fun it's like a very rapid fire game it, there's a lot of mechanics but it's like each game lasts 30 minutes and at first you're like how could that be possible it seems so complicated but once you figure it all out it just like it just goes and you can play like a bunch of rounds in a row with folks it's hard to describe, and I don't think I'm going to try to nail it in this description. It has some DNA similar to Settlers of Catan, which is obviously a classic that I was going to call out when we when we talk about, you know, we do some quick call outs. But uh, it's got some similar things there in so far as like there's kind of like you can have, you can build up an army, you are trying to get resources, and you're trying to like build different things in your quote unquote city or whatever. But it doesn't really play anything like Settlers of Catan. Like you don't get like resource cards. You just are able to expand your like pool of potential resources that you can use each turn. And there's like a weird thing where the things you can build are cards. And at the beginning of every round, everyone has seven cards in their hand and you pick one you want to use each round and then you pass your hand to the, to your right. So like everyone ends up looking at all of the cards and everyone and all of the, the hands just like a really interesting mechanic when you start like knowing the game a little better and you're like okay the person to my right has a big army already i there's a card in this hand that's like raise your army more i don't want to let them use this card but i don't necessarily want to build my own army so there's like a couple things you can do to just like burn cards instead of actually using them which is interesting but the game's just super fun it seems a lot more complicated than it is once it clicks with you, it's pretty simple and it's pretty quick. And it's like three to six or three to seven players. We've played it with three and we've played it with five. And it was a lot of fun. Different. And it's it's a little different in, in those ways. Because when it's, when it's three people, you're like adjacent to everyone else, which that kind of comes into play. Like you only have to like fight the people to your immediate left and right. So when there's more people, it's a little bit different. And the end of the game is just like whoever has the most points. And there's like so many different ways you can get points that there's so many different strategies you can take. And I haven't played the game enough to really know like what the best quote unquote strategy is, but it kind of seems like you've got to just kind of like be real flexible about what your strategy is. 
Because a couple times I've started a game and been like, all right, I'm going to go for this. And then I just don't get the cards for it. So it's really neat, dude. I highly recommend it. We should, we should check it out. If you're, if you're ever trying to do a game night, I'll get some meats for you. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, get the meats. Get some meats. Get some Play mushrooms. Some wonders. Get some fucking tequila shots and uh, get weird with it. But it's dope. No, I would absolutely love that. Yeah, that, you know, I, I always think a game is really good when it forces you to have to be flexible because when you kind of just pigeonhole yourself into a strategy, that's oftentimes like a recipe for disaster. Totally. Well, hey, no, that's a really dope wreck. I have just a couple quick shout outs and then love to hear a couple of your quick ones and then we can get into games that we like fucking loathe. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, want to shout out this game called Wavelength. I've played it a few times and I absolutely fell in love with it that I gifted it to a friend and at some point I need to get my own. But pretty much it's kind of like a more open social version of code names where you pretty much are set with guessing between like a kind of like a binary of like two words or like two clues when you're presenting to your team and you're going up against another team. And essentially it's kind of like if the clue is like essentially hot or cold, you then are given like kind of like this spectrum thing where you spin kind of the wheel and only you get to see where it lands and you have to give either a one word or like kind of a sentence phrase to the team to kind of guess where it falls. So let's say it's like 70% to hot. You might want to say something like coffee. I don't know if that's really the clue I would personally give, but like that's just just as a quick example. So when you present it to then the team, they then have to guess, hmm, where on the spectrum between hot and cold would the clue coffee fall on? Or you could say like freshly brewed coffee if you want to be like more like specific. Yeah. And it becomes like this whole like dynamic where like people are then debating with each other to try to guess. And then they actually will put the pin marker on where it falls on like kind of the spectrum. And then it reveals to see how close you were. And then before that actually gets revealed, the other team gets to wager whether it's going to be more or less to try to see if they can steal points from you. Whoa. And this is a game that the other team can also shit talk. So it's perfect if you have like a wraparound couch because you're not glued to a table. Everybody can just kick back, feel relaxed, have drinks in hands, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. I think I almost bought this the other day. Does it have like a crazy looking box that's like all these different colors kind of? Yeah, it's like very neon and like the wavelengths are all very jagged on it. I mean, it's a beautiful looking box. I almost picked it up and I think I even read like a Polygon article about how cool this game was and then forgot about it. And then I saw it in Wizard's Chest and I was like, this is a beautiful box. And I almost bought it, but I had like four other games in my hand at that point. That's dope. I definitely want to get that game and play that game. That sounds. I didn't even know what it was, but that sounds so cool. It's a ton of fun and so easy to uh, like click and play once you like pick it up. Yeah. The other game I want to know. I've only played it a few times, and honestly, within the past couple of years, no one wants to play this shit because of its name. But Pandemic. Oh yeah, dude. Dude, Pandemic is so fun because it's incredibly stressful. <laughs> it's essentially a cooperative game, and it's about a pandemic that pretty much is hitting all across the globe and pretty much as you're looking at the board the board map of itself is of the world and everyone has like a different position whether you might be like an infectious disease doctor you might be like an operations director person who helps like build up like locations and stuff and just really whatever like type of positions and roles but as you're playing through the game you have your own incentive to try to like contain the pandemic in like your regions that you're like kind of like overlooking, but also you have your goal is to end the pandemic. 
Right. But the problem is, is that while you're trying to maintain the things that you have to do, you also have to sacrifice and make difficult choices to work with others. And the game itself, as the disease and the pandemic like spreads, it is relentless and fast. And if you don't start working sooner than later, you will lose the game. Yeah. It is brutal. So yeah. it's definitely a very highly competitive game. Not one that I would just bring to any game night, but one about like people who really want like a more elevated sense of like cooperative play and like actually wants to be like in the mix definitely requires a lot of focus too yeah it's interesting you say competitive because i think it is competitive but it's not competitive in the sense of like you're competing with others it's like you're competing against the game and to your point the game is like fighting hard to beat you it's definitely a mechanic heavy game i played the shit out of it with uh some friends of mine like four or five years ago and um yeah man you got to be really dialed in and like the mechanics are really interesting i remember one of the characters you can play as is the pilot and the pilot's able to like move around the board a lot more quickly and like there's like things that you can do where it's like all right as the pilot i'm gonna go get the infectious disease doctor try to bring them to this location so they can like find the cure and then you need to bring the cure to like a place they can distribute it it's a wild game it's very cool and it's got the legacy option which i've never done but you can essentially like play a season of the game where like every time you play it like has consequences that fundamentally change the way that like the board operates and like characters can die and like you have to play the game like it's almost like D where you like have to have a session that you play every like couple weeks or something and you're trying to like get to the end of this season which is like a very interesting mechanic i think oh that would be really dope to try to play yeah yeah that's a cool game. Definitely recommend it. But yeah, to your point, like not super chill in the uh, not chill at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very um, hostile game. If anything. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to shout out? No, that's it for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do a couple rapid fires. Like obviously settlers of Catan is a fun one. Arguably a little overhyped. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a fun game. It's a fun game because I think even if you're someone who's like super into it and like super strategizes, it a lot of it's luck based so someone who's never played the game in their life might just like accidentally win and i think that's funny it's an easy game to play one because like everybody it's like the like quintessential frat guy game i feel like where like every dude every bro knows how to play settlers of Catan. so if you ever just want to have like a night with your bros especially not that the ladies can't enjoy this game addy my partner has like won more games than she's not with uh, uh settlers of Catan, so it's cool in that way but it's just like such a like i don't know for me it's like quintessential like drinking beers with the bros playing settlers of Catan because it's like competitive but it's not like too competitive I and mean, you can shit talk a lot and there's like the social trading aspect of it it's a fun game andrew i'm gonna be very honest never played no i hate it yeah okay I, That's, that I totally get you. I totally get you. I think I just, you, you, we can't have a board game. But again, I know that people love it. Though. And not talk yeah. about Sailor's Catan. I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's my favorite game. That's why I didn't, that's why I saved it for the shout outs. But um, I know some people dislike it. And like, I like other games better, but it's like, it's just kind of a classic. Um, but I guess we'll get into the hating games soon and you can talk more <laughs> about it. Um, betrayal at the house on the, at the, ha- at the house on the hill or betrayal at the, Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've heard of it. I don't know the exact uh, wording on it. I think it's Betrayal at the House on the Hill. It is very intense. It is you like build the board as you go. Your character's trying to explore a haunted house. And every time you find a new room, you like roll these like this chance dice 
that might activate like the haunting and depending on the circumstances if you when you activate it it's like a different there's like a book of like 60 different possible hauntings that really change the way that the game plays and the reason it's called betrayal is that when you activate it a certain character becomes like the bad guy basically and you don't know who that person's gonna be. you don't even know if it's gonna be you it's just totally random and um, it's a pretty mechanic heavy game it's like a couple degrees down i would think from D D in terms of like the vibe and the intensity of it but it's a fun game and i've had a lot of fun playing it so i recommend it for that reason no i mean this is definitely a game that i've always seen recommended a lot and honestly like the artwork looks so sick on it like on the box itself definitely a game i want to check out yeah, yeah it's cool all right anything else before we get into games we hate no i think we could get into it do you just want to go ahead and get into your reasoning behind why you don't like settlers you know i just think it's kind of boring yeah you know i don't i don't really have like a actual nuanced or like good reason to necessarily know also i've lost that game a lot yeah and i get it like i think the component of like trading resources can be like really fun but I don't know. After a certain while, it's just like, fuck, man, I ain't getting no fucking sheep. Like, I don't know. Like, I <laughs> it's just not that dynamic and it's just not resonating with me. It's very much a personal choice, but I see when like people are like getting their or game strong and like they're like just like kicking the shit out of everybody and they're like really loving it. Yeah, I get it. But I would say I'm at a point like if like Settlers of Catan like comes out, I especially if I'm like with family or something, I'm like, uh, I'm just going to go on the couch and watch Netflix. Right. I'm actually, I'm like going to bow out right now. I feel you. That's legit. I kind of, I think thinking about it, as you've been talking about it, I would describe Settlers of Catan to me. It's like the office of board games. And what I mean by that is it's something that so many people have played so much that you can kind of do it on autopilot. So I think it's a fun game to play. That's I think that's why I said it was like a bro game because it's it's really more like it's a game you play with people who are your good buddies already and it's really just like an excuse to be sitting at a table with people. Mm. And for me, it's just, it's like more the shit talking and the like being like, oh, I can't get any fucking sheep, man. Like that stuff is more fun. Whereas the game itself is not necessarily the most fun. Like I kind of think it's more, and I know some people are definitely feeling like this is a hot take because I I think you can make a case that it's a fun game, but it's almost more of like, it's just the game that happened to blow up. And now it's like the default game. And it's fun that it's the default game because it's a game that people know how to play and it's not that complicated and you can just bring it out and play without like too much friction. But it just, I think, you know, in some ways it was like time and place. It got lucky in other ways. Like it's, it's a good game. I feel you. Yeah, 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 no, no. And then uh, to segue to another game, uh, this is one that when I first started playing, I was like, wow, this game is so funny. But then over time, it's like, fuck, I can't believe someone's actually bringing this out in a serious manner is Cards Against Humanity. Fuck that game. Yeah, yep. It like It's fun, like, the first time you ever want to play it. But then after that, it's just like, once you've like played it even i think just like even like three or four times you know the cards yeah and even if you have the expansion pack i think it's kind of run its course and it's like kind of just a gimmick and it's not really that good (laughs) yeah it's a little played out for sure a little like edgy you know like over i think there was a time and a place where it was just like everybody was into like dead baby jokes or whatever and that's kind of the vibe of cards against humanity it's just like it's just like 
isn't it shocking how like gross and sexual this game is? I'm with you. I, I'm not really about that game these days. I, I, I will say I played in a bar semi-recently. I played a game. There's like a ton of games that are like this, like Cards Against Humanity. We played one that was, I don't remember the name of it, but you basically have a bunch of, uh, it's like Tinder based. So you'll have like a card that is like a picture of a person with their like age. And it's like, I think it's, I don't think it's real pictures from real bios. It might be, but then the bio, then everyone has cards that are like that person's bio. And those are supposedly based on real Tinder bios. And some of them are ridiculous. And you do the same thing where you like put your card down, like cards against humanity of like, I'm, you know, saying this bio applies to this person's picture and the pictures are like kind of ridiculous. Uh, and then at the end, someone picks what their favorite bio for that person is. And it plays exactly the same way as Cards Against Humanity. And that was fun. I don't think I would buy that game, but it was like a fun thing to play at a bar with like some family, friends and family. Okay. Yeah. No, I could totally see that. Especially yeah. as like a fun, quick, casual pop. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you. Cards Against Humanity is like, it's out. It's not cool anymore. Yeah. It's not it. Yeah, it's, it's not, not it, man. I don't like know that i have any like real hot takes on games that i hate i mean fucking monopoly sucks but like everybody knows that oh yeah it's terrible nobody's trying to so trash like it was designed i think as a joke to be like doesn't capitalism suck um <laughs> like legitimately i'm not making that up uh it's very much been appropriated since then by the capitalists but that was kind of the gist of it when it was first created i don't know that i feel like there is a game out there that every time people want to play it i'm kind of like uh I don't really want to play that, but I can't think of what it is. I mean, honestly, probably Cards Against Humanity is like, I'm like not about that shit, but that's all I got. That's all I got. So, hey, I think uh, I think that's what we have to say about board games. Yeah. But we would definitely love for y'all to hit us up about what board games you've been fucking with. For sure. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, D, do you want to take a break and get another mimosa or do you just want to crush it? Yes. Uh, so normally I'll ask uh, a question. Hey, are you into this or nah? And I decided, you know what? I want to shelve that for this for this episode, and I want to talk about a really fiery internet debate that Ario brought to our attention, and people are going back and forth, and it's kind of a pretty crazy debate because you know you could put a lot of like reasoning behind it, but it's so hard to I think pinpoint. But the question is, are there more doors or wheels in the world? Yeah, I have. Do you just want to say what you think, and then we can kind of get into our reasoning? Sure. I'm going to say doors. Dude, it's wheels, man. It's got to be wheels. Okay. It's absolutely wheels. I, so I initially thought wheels as, at first. I will say that. Yeah. But after some thinking, I actually changed it to doors. So I, same, started with wheels. Then I was like, oh, wait, actually doors. And then I came back around to wheels. But why did you switch from wheels to doors? My reasoning with doors was, so when I first thought about the question, when I thought about doors... I thought, oh, like just doors to homes. But then I realized, oh, it's probably just doors to any type of door. Yeah. So like a fridge door or like to a dollhouse or something like that. And I was like, okay, that's actually quite a lot. Okay. Dollhouse is interesting, but okay, go on. Like anything in the shape of a door. Same thing with wheels as well. Hey, look at like like a... like a car figurine or like a hot wheel. Yeah. That's a wheel, you know? I, so. I think there, I think you can go too far in this. Like I saw some people trying to claim that buttholes were doors cause they open and close. And I think that's a little bit ridiculous. 
I think it's like, wait, what is the connection with that? Because it's literally a circle. They were getting real fucking philosophical. No, that it's a door. They were getting real philosophical. Like, a door oh, you is said a, thing a door that okay. opens and closes, and a butthole opens and closes. And it's like, get the fuck out of here, dude. That's ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. But um, yeah, okay. That's the fair. argument could be made that a butthole is a wheel too. Yeah. Uh, no, it can't be. <laughs> but it looks like one. Anyway, I don't know what yours does. <laughs> Jesus. Um. I think that there's more doors. And the reason why I think that is because I feel like there would be more opportunity or like reason to have like an actual like door to like someone's like shelter in some ways on top of all the other things that would need like doors for it to like open and close, whether it's cabinets or things within like a home. And I think that there would be more of that than there would be like a lot of like other wheels. But I also want to recognize I kind of will go back and forth a lot because there's also a fuck ton of things that need wheels. Like if it's carts or just on cars and just all that type of shit. But I think I'm probably going to have to say doors. Cause I think that's more of an essential for people to probably have. Here's where I'm at with it. Okay. I, and I strongly believe that it's wheels. I started off knee jerk. I'm like, Oh, cars, you know, every car has four wheels. And then I'm like, ah, fuck. Like most cars have four doors as well, which we could get into an argument about whether a trunk or like a hatchback is a door, I'm going to say no. But I don't think it matters. I don't think hatchbacks are going to be what changes it. Uh, I'm like, oh, like they got wheels. And then I'm like, oh, wait, cars have four wheels, four doors as well as four wheels, generally speaking. And then someone I saw online had mentioned like an apartment building or a hotel where it's like, that's a shitload of doors, right? But then someone else brings up, okay, but how many people's apartments or hotel rooms have office chairs? Every given office chair has five wheels on it. And then there's also offices that are fucking chock full, especially any like open floor plan or offices where they use cubicles. So there's not doors on those, but there's a shitload of office chairs that each have five wheels. Okay. Then you go back to cars and you're like, okay, you got four wheels and you got four doors, but there's a lot of cars that have less than four doors. And there's not that many cars that have more than four doors that I'm aware of, but there's a plenty of cars that have more than four wheels, right? There's a shit like a 18 wheeler truck has two doors and 18 wheels. Okay. So then you start to see the, the, the ratio changing there. Then you yourself brought up toys, which I hadn't even thought about. Sure. There's dollhouses, but how many fucking hot wheels are there? An absolute fuckload of hot wheels. And every hot wheel has at least four wheels and zero doors, man. They do not have functional doors on those. There's so many wheels out there, dude. It has to be wheels. It no, and like, honestly, like, like I said, I, I go back and forth a lot. I guess my thing for doors would be like, what about like all of like the skyscrapers or like all of like the really big like con like condo buildings and stuff with the amount of doors that they have full office and you chairs. go inside and then it's like fridge doors, cabinet doors, uh, cabinets is a tough one. Do those count as doors? That's a door. Okay. It's an open and close like okay. mechanic. I'll give you that. I will give you that. You wouldn't. Well, okay. You're giving me that. But I'll like, give you that. I got to ask you before I made that, like you would have not considered a cabinet door. Not no, a door? I, I think uh, I was thinking like a drawer, like a cabinet drawer, which I would say is not a door. Oh, I was thinking about the ones that you actually right. open and close, not right. the ones that like that would be like lower level and like it slides out. Right. Which yeah. like the ones that slide out, sometimes they slide on wheels, on little tracks of wheels. <laughs> I do think that <laughs> just is gave enough, you more wheels. <laughs> that's like getting a little bit into like, is that really a wheel? I don't know. But also, okay, yeah, cabinet doors. That's fair. That adds a lot. 
that's a lot like i feel like within each like door or entering to like someone's like apartment or place or something there's even going to be more doors and there would be wheels within there but then let's think about bikes oh yeah there's a fuck ton of skateboards rollerblades longboards ripsticks there's just like a lot of things that have i feel like there's depots though we just had a Home Depot. Think about how many doors, but then there's a lot of wheels too. Does a door count as a door if it's just like off a hinge? If it's just like a door on the ground? Is that a door? I mean, yeah. What else would you call it? Yeah, that's a good point. I guess you could like, I mean, we're categorizing it as a door, but really it's just a plank of wood with like a few other things, but we would call it a door. Well then, okay. What about a tire that's been removed from a car? Is that a wheel? Or is it a tire? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know dude because there's definitely like just like dumps full of discarded tires and like i don't know if that counts or not i wonder yeah i wonder like with this debate like does it actually have to be functional for what its intended pu- right. purpose would be and this is where it gets complicated and this is where like you almost you have to make like philosophical decisions about what words mean to be able to pull it but i think even given the most charitable read of doors and the least charitable read of wheels, I still am calling it for wheels. Because I think there's so many things that have wheels and no doors versus most things that have doors generally have wheels or contain wheels. Like to your point about skyscrapers, most of those are full of offices and most of those offices are full of desk chairs and every desk chair has like five wheels. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm running out of gas in terms of trying to fight for doors. I mean, there's so many <laughs> wheels in the world. I'm a wheel zealot and I will kill anyone that disagrees. No. Yeah. I think, uh, that Andrew guy is really into wheels. He's really into (laughs) wheels, man. Um, so we just disagree. We disagree, I guess. Right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to simmer on it a bit. Don't, don't be surprised if I send you like a follow up text, like a couple days from now. Like, yeah, maybe it is wheels. Maybe it is wheels. Unless you can convince me otherwise, which you can't because again, (laughs) All right, man. What have you, you been fucking with lately? So I saw X, the new horror film by Ty West. Fuck yeah. Same. Which is fucking awesome. And it takes place pretty much in the 70s. And it's about pretty much a, a guerrilla filmmaking crew of porn makers who are traveling through Texas and decide to pretty much rent out like a cabin on like this property that this old couple kind of like rents out to other people. And they secretly are trying to finish their porno called the farmer's daughter. And quickly the movie turns into a pretty gory hellfest of really snappy and dope kills. And gotta say, it's one of the like sharpest and, really unique like shot films that I've seen recently in like a horror film and would love to hear your thoughts around that, especially with the editing. But I had an absolute blast, uh, whether I was like cringing at like the side of my seat with just like some of the gore or just like literally cracking up because it's sometimes pretty ridiculous in like the best ways. Yeah, dude, it's a funny fucking movie. It's very good. The cinematography is really interesting in the directing, like the, the, I'd never seen a film do that thing before where it would like cut, like jump cut back and forth between a couple things. Like it would be showing one thing and then it would start like flashing pieces of another scene and then slowly it would flip to the other scene. And it did that a bunch of times. And I thought that was really cool. It reminded me of a, uh, 
and not, not like a direct comparison, but it's kind of like when you're reading a comic book and it has like the meanwhile transition between like one scene happening and then another going on at the same time. Yeah. It was like a way to like drag out the transition instead of just a cut. It was like uh, multiple like half cuts or something like that. It was really interesting and used very interesting effect. I thought this movie was dope. It was hilarious. I tried to explain to my coworkers, I was like, oh, I'm going to a movie tonight. And then the next day they were like, how was the movie? And I was like, good. And they were like, what was it about? <laughs> I'm like, um, it was about uh, some people filming a porno in a barn and then they all get murdered by an old lady. <laughs> and they were like, Andrew, what the fuck kind of shit are you into? And I was like, it's a good movie, dude. It's a good, it's a good movie. movie. <laughs> it was A24. And they're like, that means nothing to me. Um, my coworkers are Philistines. That's the point. Uh, it's It was really good. And I thought it was also really cool how like the ladies are kind of like, they steal the show, you know, it's other than Kid Cudi's dong, which is featured prominently in one scene. That's one of my favorite scenes. Jaw droppingly massive. Truly, truly yeah. a large imposing dong, if you will. <laughs> um, other than that, like it's, it's a more about the ladies. I think all of the men die before any of the women with the exception of uh, the. No, actually all the men do die. Yeah. Before any of the uh, women, at least in the, 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 the good guys. I should say, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it's a fucking slasher. There's a, there's, you know how slashers go folks. Mia goth did a fantastic job as kind of like the main girl. Although I, I thought it was interesting. Like, even though she was clearly the main and the movie started off with her, she, everybody got pretty equal screen time. Yeah, honestly, it was a pretty well balanced, like cast. It felt like more like definitely ensemble. Yeah. Uh, Mia goth killed it um jenny ortega i mean she's been on an absolute tear in the past couple of years i love her following from scream uh she was fantastic in this yeah and then of course scott meskety aka the kid cuddy uh was yeah. just uh on a tear as well Brittany snow also was really good i thought yeah. her character was the most like charismatic like immediately charismatic and then she played kind of a ridiculous person to a degree, you know, but they, they, she, she ends up being very three dimensional and she steals the show at one point to sing a song when there's like a musical, really interesting musical like section in the middle that kind of is the transition from like the opener to like when shit starts to go down. And there's like a montage kind of, or like a split screen thing where they're kind of showing all of these um, dichotomies on screen really interesting and she's got a beautiful voice yeah i loved that scene that was really awesome yeah really enjoyed the movie did you uh stay around for the uh after credit scene no dude i didn't know that was a thing yeah i heard dude. about it later <laughs> it was pre- it was like very um grindhouse style of like trailer it was really yeah. funny yeah i wish i could say I, I don't think it's online yet i want to see it though yeah what have you been fucking with yeah i know i know you gotta go so i'll try to keep it short and just bring up one thing other than elden ring which i'm still uh being held by Still got a grip on me. Um, I picked up a handful of Batman comics recently that I've been reading through. I picked up some like classics that were interesting, like uh, Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on a Serious Earth, which is a wild, like very artsy depiction of Batman and a night he spends in Arkham Asylum with the Joker and many of his other enemies. Um, it is, you described it as a fever dream, which I think is accurate. It is bizarre and haunting and very artistic i don't know you know that i want to necessarily call it like elevated comics but in terms of like versus your normal superhero comic it's definitely like a cut above in terms of just like it's it's very unique 
took me 20 minutes to read it. And then um, the other one I want to shout out that I really enjoyed was Batman Hush, which I think we had we had mentioned in our Batman episode as well. I got that one. I picked that up. Um, and I also ordered immediately um, Heart of Hush, which is the sequel. Loved it. So cool. Has so many of his classic villains in it. And uh, really just hit on a lot of the things we talked about that I love about Batman where it's like really showing his detective process and getting into Bruce Wayne's kind of like personal shit and forcing him to confront his past in many different ways. Very enjoyable. Highly recommend. No. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cause I, I've seen that you've been getting a lot of the Batman comics. So that's really good to hear that. Like you've been like uh, rocking with them a lot and Hey, you lent me some, so I definitely got to follow up with that and let you know what I think. Yeah, please do. Only other thing that I'll note in terms of what I've been fucking with, Play Dead Studios. I once played Inside, which is a really dope like puzzle game and yeah. just so mind-bending. And since I had picked up a Switch about a month ago, I decided to actually pick up Limbo because I never got the chance to play it. And I've been loving it. It's so simple. And some of like the puzzles are actually kind of brain-breaking. So definitely pretty challenging at times. But for folks who probably are not too heavily into video games, highly recommend this to at least kind of just get more of an atmosphere. And it's just something with really simple controls. And the artwork is just beautiful. It's like this like kind of gothic black and white depiction of like this boy in limbo between heaven and hell. And it's really awesome. Yeah. So been playing through that and super psyched eventually for when play dead will drop their new project in like the next year or two. Yeah. Limbo and inside are both very good indie games, very accessible for anyone and uh, very good attribute to the argument of video games can be art. I think they're, they're good. Uh, they're evidence of that. So that's cool. You've been playing through. Yeah. I only have one thing to shout out for random lore of the week. Don't know if you have anything, but wanted to just note for Jamie Lee Curtis, absolutely fucking love her. And one of the OG scream Queens, she will actually be cosplaying as a sorceress from world of Warcraft as she officiates the wedding of her youngest daughter. Yeah. And just want to say, fuck. Yeah. yeah. I love when we get to hear nerd shit coming out of Hollywood. So just wanted to at least just make the space and just say, you fucking do you, Jamie Lee Curtis. What a cool lady. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you have any uh, random lore? If not, I could pop into obituary. I got nothing. All right. Well, Stephen Whitehite, creator of the graphics interchange format, passed away uh, earlier this month at the age of 74. Do you know what a graphics interchange format is? Yeah, which this could go into a whole rabbit hole as well, because that is what I would refer to as a GIF. Oh, I call it a GIF. Yeah. But interesting enough, I was going to ask you this. How do you actually pronounce it? Because even though there is a lot of debate around this, and a lot of people oftentimes will say GIF, as I do, the creator, Stephen, will actually say it's pronounced GIF. Right. So it actually is with like kind of more of the pronunciation of a J starting at the top of it, which is, I think, really fascinating. I don't know. Should I really go with GIF or GIF in honor of Stephen now? I don't kind think of it matters. Up. Um, I, di- I did see someone tweet that they said he's living with Jod now. <laughs> that I thought was very funny instead of God. Um, we don't need to get into this argument. I think it's it doesn't matter. But if we had more time, I could get into the argument because it's a fun nonsense argument that I could argue about for hours. But yeah, rest in peace. Rest in peace. He literally made it pretty much like weeks on end whenever he would come home from work and would just like work on his like own personal time. And then it eventually was actually presented in 1987. So just kind of shows how deep and long the history that the internet has. And like such a like 
random but hugely like that's such a big part of culture now you know like sending gifs or gifts to people as reaction like reaction gifs are that's ubiquitous so it's so interesting it's like no one's ever heard of this guy or or i mean plenty of people that know of this kind of thing have but like he's not famous yeah and it's all just ingrained right here into the culture i mean hey i'll send a couple gifts to a couple people later on today i'm sure I also want to shout out, as of this morning, there are reports that, um, and I don't have the details, but the Taylor Hawkins, the drummer of the Foo Fighters, has passed away. He was 50. Yeah. Yeah. So they, Foo Fighters posted that they're they're hoping for uh, well wishes and privacy for Taylor. Really sorry to hear that. Foo Fighters is a, it's a very, very cool band. Um, I don't necessarily listen to them very often, but like I think they're just like a lot of fun and a lot of people really enjoy them feel very bad for Dave Grohl because that's his second, at least that I'm aware of bandmate who passed away. Yeah. Yeah. First being from Kurt Cobain. Yeah. So rest in peace to, to both of them. Rest in peace. Well, all right, man, I guess that's it. Uh, that's the board games episode for you folks. Uh, you know, you can take those recommendations and, uh, implement them in your lives. Ask yourselves, what is there more of in the world? Doors, wheels or lore oh definitely lore definitely lore yeah hell yeah behind every door and every wheel is lore oh my god all right bye everybody bye